Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in Theta and Semitic Breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication. Both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. A full circle moment here, you guys. Join us as we chat with Celeste Lazarus, the person who brought us together. You might know her as the founder of Balance Through Movement Method. This is a great conversation about protecting and managing your energy, especially in times of adversity, bullying, and psychic attack. Raising children with empathy in the horse industry, how energy work ties into her work methodology, and so much more. This is an energetically charged and authentic episode that you won't want to miss. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are super excited. We have another full circle moment. Um, We're here with (laughs) Celeste Lazarus. You might recognize her name. She's the founder of Balance Through Movement Method which has basically taken the equine industry by a freaking storm, not to sound nerdy, but literally has. Um, And she is actually the one who introduced Amber and I, um, I might say forced me to meet Amber because she did a podcast with her and then just gave my name out without even asking me and told me that I was going to do it. And (laughs) it was great. So welcome. What have you been up to, dude? Thank you. Um, currently uh, trying to keep my head above the waters and, you know, not failing miserably at all of the things in my life. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. People, people actually want to know. That's actually what I'm doing. Uh, let's see. I'm in the last, we're going in June will be the last month of the online first ever online or release course, which has been so rad. I love to swear. I almost swear. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So super rad. And but it's like a, it's like a lot of work. Um, I'm looking forward to doing it again and not having it be as much work now that I did the course build, but like, well, you guys know, you guys have done online courses. Like that shit's no joke. Like, I don't know how people do that for like a full-time gig. That's fucking crazy. So we got that done and now we're in the last, like everybody's doing their one-on-ones and it's pretty intense. Um, so the schedule is gnarly and this is a good reason why I had it capped. People were like, why did you cap it to only 30? And I'm like, Oh, you know this, but like, there's only like 24 hours in the day you're supposed <laughs> to sleep for some of them. So, you know, a little bit, um, but it's been super good. I'm really excited. Everybody's doing good. Masterclass is doing good. Um, the instructors have been kind of like taking over those ones, which is sweet. Um, so my focus has been just my instructors and then the nerve release course and then our clinic coming up, which I'm very excited about. Oh, I'm so the most excited. I think this clinic has been like the thing that I've like been the most jazzed about arguably selfishly because it's like all my favorite people in one room um but that should be red yeah it's gonna be super fun well we're super excited to talk to you I I feel like I have like such a unique perspective of your work because like 40 percent of my horse clients are balanced through movement (laughs) clients like I feel like almost might even be more than that like I have so I talked to so many horses who do the work and I've been like dying to ask you this because like I see it from their perspective, but I'm curious Mm -hmm. like how you feel like 
how important the energy that people bring coming into the work is? Or do you feel like the techniques themselves are what like unwind that process? Like the horse shows them and the human follows? Um, I th- well, I think it's both. So if the human doesn't have a, so I would call it like receiving energy. So if a human has like a close energy and be like, I have to go in and I only have X amount of times to do this and I will need to do this one thing. And I'm trying very specifically to get this technique down they are closed off from like hearing the horse that makes sense um and so they really can't and it really is supposed to be a human you know kind of guided but it's a horse-led session and so yeah we have an idea of this is what we call like postural pillar ones where we get them into the posture of but some horses aren't able to do that so you might have to start with like the invitation of pillar one so it's just like the getting into like can the can the horse do us off into the field are they able to connect with you are you able to connect with them? You know, things like that. And so it's very, very different than in the energetics for people that are sensitive enough to get it. It's very different than just traditional training because you can't, these are what I call like the protector muscles that we're trying to deactivate. And so you can't just go in and there. It'd be like somebody coming up to you and grabbing you and shaking you being like, okay, relax. Now relax. Like it doesn't, that doesn't work, you know? So you have to be very like mindful about those things. And then also because in essence, we're trying to take away compensatory patterns. If the horses need the compensatory patterns, you also have to be able to listen to the horses and be like, can you do this? Not, will you do this? Or like, I need you to do this, but like, can you think about doing it? Um, so my intention for a lot of it is to be very, to try to just develop more mindful horsemanship. It's like, yeah, our end goal would be to fully get you to like the top level of competition and go out and fucking slay like hell. Yeah. But, or, and, you know, it really has to start out with a lot of that mindful listening to the horse. And you can see like, there's a real like black and white draw in the people that find radical success in this. And then the people that really struggle with it. And it's always that. And so I always find it a little, a little fascinating. Yeah. I feel like the first time we met, I think, well, I feel like I, Warwick told me to talk to Tara and I talked to Tara and she's like, oh my gosh, you have to talk to Celeste. And that was like right at the beginning point of me even being in a place where I was taking into consideration, which sounds fucking nuts as someone who is a horse trainer for so long, taking into consideration that the horse's body maybe couldn't like, and it sounds crazy. It's never something that occurred to me until I started really like diving into that part, which it seems like it should be one of the foundational things that you should understand as you're becoming a trainer. Like it doesn't even make sense. I agree. Yeah. No, my whole life is a lie. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, and you had to, I had to go through this, like, holy shit, what have I been doing this whole time to like, oh my gosh, there's so much I don't know to, I can't even touch horses because (laughs) I don't, they're so big and fragile. Yeah. never broken yeah. to going back into that place of not hyperfixation on the brokenness and going okay but what can we do for them right here right now and like but when I feel like talk- we could do like a legitimate graph of particularly as horse trainers of like what happens during the ego eradication of like realizing some of this shit because we're like okay maybe a little bit here <laughs> I find a lot of horse trainers I mean specifically and I've said this before have asked me like how do you how do you transition into (laughs) different place and I'm like but it's for real though yeah if you really understand what's going on it's very easy for me to justify 
to my clients why it just seems like like a no-brainer. Like, well, why would we even ask them to go beyond this when they're here? You know, and so it makes it easy once you sort of understand that stuff. But man, the process to like everything was it was intense. And I was like, I just I like falling into like human zone because I feel like at this point I'm still trying to break apart how I train the horse. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know fully. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that that whole understanding was why I think I love your work so much because you're coming from a place of I training like where most people are coming from and then pulling in and being able to integrate the body work piece and the movement piece and the understanding these like little little specific parts that for me I found that when I train it was all very like big and like Mm -hmm. a big do this thing but right. like, I, I never understood why. And I never understood the importance of being more specific and breaking it down so small. And I think that's been like the biggest shift in understanding and it's made the most impact on the horses was those little things. And then also, like you'd said, understanding, like you're asking these animals to be vulnerable and let go of all this stuff in the presence of people who have taken advantage of that for most of the time. So it's a much bigger thing than put your head down and, you know, right. your back and step up underneath and all the things. That people <laughs> it's like a much bigger deal. It that is. Really cool. yeah. The hardest. And it always like surprises people when I say this, cause you would think it would be the other way around, except for you guys, because it's like, Oh, well, I understand the difference in the energy, but the hardest clients that I have that do this stuff are the ones. And this isn't knocking those training programs, because again, like the essence of those training programs could be the same as mine. And I don't know, but it's just the people that I get. Um, but it's the people that do like the, a lot of the, like the deep classical and handwork, um, straightness training, things like that. And they're so, I don't know, regimented, like everything is so like, you must do this. And like the minute they're in front of the cavasson, it's like this crazy and like horses have a trauma response to the cavasson. And I like cavassons, but it's like, if a horse has ever had a lot of in handwork with them, you put those things on and they're like good little soldier. Sorry. I just boomed my whole thing. But it's like, you can just see them do this crazy, like. I don't know, man. It's like wild. I'll just break my camera. No. Um, but they just put on this, like this, like soldier uniform of like, Oh, this is what we're doing. And there's no relaxation in it. And that's something. So I had, it was actually really funny. I went to, hopefully he doesn't get offended when I say this. I went to that, uh, that spinal seminar this last weekend and I got to talk and present to like one of the incredible people that were there and Dr. Kevin Hostler. And he was asking me when I was doing my neck release, it was very similar to his neck release as a Cairo, but there was just differences in how I asked it. And obviously there's no like chiropractic thrust, but the angles and the different things I was doing was very similar. But he noticed that I was taking a little bit of a longer time. And he was like, what are you waiting for? Like, what are you? Because I was talking to the horse and he was like, what are you waiting for? And I said, I'm waiting for them to soften. So a lot of these techniques that you guys are pulling their heads towards you for it. I was like, I'm not pulling. And I was like, I do want their head in that plane. I want that rotation through the joint, but I'm waiting for them to soften. And he was like, what does soften mean? And I was like, how do you not know what soften means? And it like threw me for a loop because I didn't, and they were all really asking, like they couldn't figure out what soften meant. And I was like, soften, like, you know, like you pick up on the line and they, they soften. And I was like, okay, how else do I say it? And then it like caused me to dig. And I was like, oh, I'm waiting for them to turn off those muscles kind of like pillar one, but it's like up in their cranial release. So you're like, you're waiting for this deactivation of the muscles. And that made sense to him. He was like, okay, I, I see that. Cause I do this in a specific move. And like, 
<clears throat> if those muscles aren't deactivated, you can't get this adjustment. And I was like, right, just like that. And so you're just waiting for these different patterns. And so when we talk about relaxation in the training circle, it's always so funny because you can't really just say, I want to train without tension, or I want to train in relaxation because that's so subjective to who's seeing it. Like, I know you guys see it all the time. People are like, oh, look at the horse is so relaxed. And we're like, Bleh. no, they're not, you know, like your version of relax is definitely not mine. But if you're looking at it from a muscular standpoint and you're like, are those muscles tense or are those muscles relaxed? And like, which one should be activated and which one shouldn't be activated? It gives a very unbiased approach, um, which is why I really try to like campaign this really hard because it's not, it's not as subjective because you can just see it right. And you can feel it. And then that way the horses have a fair shot and the horses that will then hold you to a very high standard, because if you're being very regimented and you're being very braced, the horses won't deactivate those muscles because they have no reason to. So yeah, I don't know. So many soapboxes. And dude, kudos to you. Cause like, I feel like this work, it really does, um, attract very like results oriented people and like goal oriented people. And you do have to like, I like commend you for how you teach it because obviously I'm in the membership and like, I see the posts and stuff and like people do get very obsessed. And, and just in my sessions with horses, it's like, they're, they need play and they need variability. And there's like right. such that balance. But what I think is so cool about this work and like, just hearing you guys talking from a training perspective, because for the first, like, ever, actually ever since before I met you, I was always giving my power away to trainers. And I just did not yeah. believe that I had the <clears throat> skills to do it on my own or to understand like what my horse needed and stuff. And like, ultimately, like at the end of the day, what I've found, um, if we were just talking from a, a purely like animal communication collective, is that the horses feel like the owners are taking their power back. There's less trainers riding the horses for them. There's less trainers taking over mm -hmm. and their relationships are changing. Not, not only just like the mindset shift between like people understanding what the horse is supposed to look like, people feeling more empowered to do the work, but it's just really freaking cool because um, people are like inspired by it. Cause you do see the change. Like it's insane mm -hmm. how much little input you have to put in to see the changes in their bodies. And then people are like, Oh my gosh, I did this. This is so right. empowering. And yeah. they're like, why would I, you know, have somebody else put their willy nilly input on my horse when I could be doing <laughs> it myself. Like that is like the coolest thing is the horses are like, fuck yes. Like it's finally between us now. Like we're back to our little oh. marriage. <laughs> That makes me so happy. That's like one of my favorite things to see. I don't, I've never heard it or like thought of it from the horse's perspective like that. That's really fucking sweet. For me, it's always like the, because a lot of the soundness issues that we run into are, or even like the behavior stuff, like the like crazy bracing on the bit or the horse, like just won't go forward and, you know, needs its spurs whips, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> it's so, um, it's so simple to fix most of these things. And once you break it down and you start like really integrating it and understanding it and having the amateur horse owner, the, the non-professional, right. Be like this entire time. I knew that my horse wasn't being an asshole this entire time. I knew that my horse was a little bit off in that leg, but nobody saw it. this entire time. I swore my horse didn't like this, blah, blah, blah. Like they always knew. And so getting to like, I love, um, just because I, I, I like have a long history of working with, you know, trauma survivors and women. And so like, it's always that big experience of getting to be around 
like people that have been un- and it, and it's, I think it's unintentionally gaslit, right? Like I don't think there's a I mean I think there are trainers that do gaslight for real, but I think that a lot of it is unintentional because they don't know. And so, but because they're the professional, it's like, oh, you silly little owner, like you don't understand. And, but they fucking do because they're the ones, like you said, in the marriage with the horse, they're the ones in that relationship. They're the ones that can in fact feel and see it. And so to have been gaslit all of this time and then have somebody come in and be like, not only were you right, but you're actually going to be the one to fix this for them and get to have them see those results. Like Dude, it's so cool. Like I cry all the time. It's like the sweetest thing. And they should be able to. We shouldn't just be giving our power away to other people. They should be there to guide us and help us, but not be like the end all be all. I know. I think me and Shaylee have been talking about (laughs) the whole idea of 2023 is really the year of people calling their power back and tapping into their own understanding and knowing and at least the confidence to ask the questions and be curious to the professionals instead of just assuming that they understand and you know and um so I think that's what I love about it is that it's so broken down and it's specific and then you're like getting educated on things that I think people should be educated on the moment they come into horse land you know what I mean like simple anatomy but like I said uh we're I've been like a professional trainer since 2004 I know and after shit I was like oh my god that makes so much sense <laughs> like, yeah. Gosh. Yeah. And in our defense, there's a, like, there's not like I'm working on it slowly, but like, there's no books that really even talk about it. <clears throat> like there are threads, like I, I've started, I've gone through several like rehabilitation books and just to see, and like, there's several similar threads, but there's nothing that's like concrete, bam, bam, this is this, that is that very, you know, like horse one-on-one of what you should know with, you know, basic behaviors and some bodies and like what they should develop. Like the horse doesn't have a quadricep well-developed they can't fucking back up. I don't know if anybody knows that or not, but like that actually governs the extension of the stifle. So if they're not using the quadriceps to back up and they're only using their hamstrings, that sucks. That doesn't feel good. And most of them are doing that. And it's like these little things like that, that it's like, it's not a behavior issue. And yeah, it will eventually turn into a stifle issue, but it doesn't even have to be a stifle issue. It could just be this one little thing, but based off of X, Y, Z on these bracing patterns and what has happened, like we don't look at muscles and say, do they have the muscle to do this job? We don't know. And it's all very unbiased, right? Like there was a, <clears throat> I made a comment about the trapezius and somebody piped off with, there was like a pretty viral thing that was going on. And again, no disrespect to the person that was doing it, but there was a viral thing about like how thin the trapezius is. And my ask for that was, and I'm not disagreeing because that maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But I asked if we had photos of the horses that they did those dissections on. And they said, no. And I was like, then how the fuck do you know if it was a developed one or not a developed one? Because I don't know about you guys, but like eh, 85% of the horses that I see have no trapezius. So if those are the horses that you're dissecting and those are the horses that you're looking at, and that's the metric that you're going off for the muscle and then being like, Meh, it's not really important because it's so thin. I'm like, you don't, but you don't know because you're not, you know, like what are the tools of the measurements that you're doing? And that's like a whole other fucking soapbox I can go off of. But, you know, we were talking again, like on the, over the weekend about the spine and posture versus confirmation, for instance, and like C7, if you look up any skeleton, everybody that watches this, like go Google equine skeleton in a horse and every skeleton that you're going to see C7 is going to be up in front of the the scapula and be like a full cervical spine up in front of it. That's not real life in 90% of the horses that we see with poor posture. They don't have a developed thoracic sling, which most of them don't. The scapulas push forward, C7 sitting back behind it. The spine is at a negative angle. It's not straight across. So the loading is down now on the pelvis and the lower back. 
it's all different, but because we don't have any actual textbook science looking at the body of what a living horse with poor posture looks like versus what we're studying in textbooks, those are two completely different conversations. So no fucking wonder everybody's confused. You know what I mean? Like it's really shitty for people to see that and to go into it. So there's a, all kinds of things. It was so funny Um, over the weekend, not the week, that's a lie, Wednesday, we had uh, a group of Masterson people here and I'm friends with one of the trainers. And it was funny because that was the day that we thought we were, we were talking to you, but it wasn't, it was today. Right. And, <laughs> and <laughs> somehow we both did that, but it was fine. So I was like, I had said, oh, I have to abandon you guys at noon because I have to run in and do a podcast. And she was like, oh, who are you doing a podcast with? And I was like, Celeste. And she's like, I'm not even joking you, but one of my clients just literally texted me this morning and asked me about Celeste. And if I knew anything, <laughs> she's like, that's crazy. And so I was talking to her a little bit um, about it because, and we talked about other body workers and we talked about this whole range of things and how Masterson and what you do, like how beautifully they put together. Yeah. And, um, and we were just having this whole conversation around it. And she's like, yeah, I've just, um, heard such extreme things about Celeste. <laughs> amazing to like, you know, and then I was like, hold on, I'm going to bust out this meme. She just sent me. Yes. <laughs> she's like, who in the hell would take the time? And I was like, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people, so many people. <laughs> So like, what is that like for you? I feel like getting into that piece is kind of fun. Cause I feel like there's a thousand different podcasts that you've been on that talks about the thoracic sling in your work. So it's I like, know you're like, let's talk about like the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Cause you know what I mean? It's like oh, for right. that are stepping out of a space <clears throat> that is with what everyone else is saying. There's a lot of people that even at a micro level are doing it within their own barn, even taking mm -hmm. this work and having the judgment of why aren't you riding your horse? You know, why aren't you? Mm -hmm. And so at like a very small level, people are dealing with it, but to be able to have the conversation with someone who's like, and I'm putting it out there. Cause I remember right after we did our podcast, when I met you this, like you were going to do the masterclass the masterclass. Yeah. You're like, here, join this thing. Like, I don't know. It's going to be like 25 people. And I was like, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, what has that been like for you and how have you like <clears throat> made that? With like the polarity, I mean. Uh, well, so Shaylee had a really good uh, intake. So I, we were talking about it one time. She was just like, I can't even read the negative shit. Cause I just don't like, I don't understand. Like, it's just crazy. And I was like, yeah, it's literally been this way since I was a kid though. Mm -hmm. Like ever since I was a little kid, people have either like loved me so fiercely that they're just like super loyal. And they're like, <clears throat> like, I don't know. Like, we're just like, I have family. Like my friends are family. I'm a very like group on the streets kid. So like you guys too, like if anything ever happened, like I'd be, I'd be there in heartbeat my friends are my family. So I have like that ride or die mentality. And then I have people that I just trigger inherently because I'm breathing so fiercely that they're just, they hate me. And it's the create, like it's, and it's just, it wouldn't be, it'd probably be a lot bigger of a deal had I not been dealing with this my whole life. <clears throat> but I remember as a kid, I would have so many friends and it would be really cool. And then I would have other friends that hated me. And then their parents would go and tell my foster parents are like, that girl's going to grow up to be a gang leader when she grows up. I'm sure all my little people that are like, she has a cult are going to be like, see, she's always been a cult leader. Cool. I don't know. I mean, I'm like, 
basically Letty from Fast and the Furious, like Dom and Letty. Like that's my whole like personality trait. If anybody knows Fast and Furious movies, so it's just funny because it's been like that forever. So thankfully, I'm used to it. Um, and I've never had. I love having conversations with people that particularly that don't like me, but are especially that have different views as I do. And it can be like starkly like polar opposite views. And I love it. And I'm not really into like an argument, but my thing, my gift, I guess, in mediating conversations, especially even with myself, but it's, I think it's also why I was able to figure out a lot of these things with the horses <clears throat> is everything that I go into is very much a, like, where can I find the common threads of stuff? Because there's always something, right? Like there's always something like even if you just draft, even political stuff, like you drastically disagree with me, I'll find the things that we agree on and then we'll kind of meet in the middle somewhere. And so I like doing that. That usually pisses people off. And then they end up with, you know, all of the like the anonymous names of like the people that are really trashing shit. They're like fully anonymous, like all of the threads that went down and whatever that forum and it's like none of these people even put their real names on there. I'm like, this witch ruined my horse this one time that she came to work on it. And people were like, oh, cool. Like, can you have like photos? Like, is there any evidence that she was ever at your house? Well, no, I'm not going to put myself out there. That's because it didn't happen. Like, <laughs> fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to be shitty, like, at least be creative about it. Make up a fucking, I, I don't know, like, try a little bit harder, maybe. I don't know. So for me, I have a pretty good sense of humor. There was like, there are blips. Like I hit one really shitty thing, like when that gnarly forum went down only because there's a lot of negative energy and they drug my kids into it, which is a hard boundary for me. So to shut down, like I made my Facebook very private. So they drug my kids into it and like weird shit. Like I just, you guys know the Mariah Carey song. They're like, the why is so obsessed with me? That one, like it's that, like I have that playing in the background of my head all the time. And I'm like, these fucking people, like somebody reached out to my ex-husband. They were like, I'm speculating that like, you know, these kids aren't even her, like real kids or like this one, like rhythm was adopted. Like there was some, like, I'm like, yeah, cause everybody saw my fucking whale pregnancy photos, like crazy shit. Right. Like is bananas. I'm not certified and licensed. I'm like, how hard is it to type in a name in the Department of Health? It's not that hard. Like, I don't know how they're fucking it up that bad, but one person will be like, I looked it up and she's not there. And then everybody was like, I knew it. She's a fraud. And I'm like, no fact checking. Nobody knows. And somebody was like, well, why don't you just go in there and post pictures of like your degrees and your certificates? I'm like, this is not going to fucking matter. It doesn't matter. So I just stayed out of it. And I'm like, I won't even I like I won't even respond when that's doing it because it doesn't matter because mm -hmm. the people that it matters, they'll message me and they'll be like, hey. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, here's a conversation. Super mm -hmm. open book. Like you guys know that. But um, it's just it's a fascinating thing. And we've lived in a society now. What is it? 2023. So we've gone through how many political crazy bullshit where you just see like it's like a culture where people get into this hate train, whether it's against presidents, fucking Taylor Swift, like people have this like weird hate culture thing, right? It used to be Nickelback when I was a kid, which was kind of funny, but it was never that bad before social media happened. But I like Nickelback just for the record, going to a concert next month. And it's like, they just have to get on this hate train for something. And what's mostly fascinating about it for me is like, I'm helping horses. So it really doesn't matter if you like me or not, like at least somebody is doing something to try to help the ponies that you claim to love. And if that's so offensive to you, then like, fuck, man, you should probably sit back and be like, do you really like the horses, though? Like, how much do you like the horses?
I don't know. Like you guys know, there are people in the industry that like I can't stand and I just think they're massive bitches. And I will still refer people to them and I will still be like, yeah, yeah, you should do that. What they say has value. They post cool shit. You should do that. You should take their course. Why? Because they're still in helping horses. Who does, who, like, what does it matter? Well, she's just really pretty and she posts pictures with Spanish horses. I bet she can't even ride. Okay. Says the person with a drop flash, big spurs and whips, your horse is inverted upside down and backwards. Like, I'm one of the few clinicians that I know that personally get on every horse that comes into my clinic, even when I was five months pregnant and Stacia yelled at me to get off. Right. Like <laughs> I actually get on and do shit. She doesn't ride. Okay. It's fine. It's cool. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. Okay. Two things. Well, I'm sure I have more than two things, but something you say reminded me not to keep bringing up Carrie Lake, but she's just fucking cool. And she, um, talks about how we all pull from this collective ego. So it just makes so much sense how like society has like something to hate and like just all of what you're saying there like she really believed that like there are a massive amount of us that pull from the collective ego and it's really hard for everyone to kind of like get past that and go into like their like inner being their consciousness because there is this massive collective ego and then we were talking to Felicity the other day and she was like it's so interesting because especially in like the equine industry, there's a lot of women who go from this like wounded masculine. And when they're trying to find like their feminine, you go to like wounded feminine instead, like there's not a lot of power. So I think it is part of, well, I know we like did your human design and stuff, but like part of why you trigger people is because you refuse to go like into the wounded feminine, like you're like the, or you either or you learn from your wounded feminine and now you're so deeply in like the powerful feminine that like it triggers all the little wounded people. (laughs) Oh, big time. And I was totally there, like in my early twenties, like absolutely like super jealous, super insecure, like I've totally been there, get it, but like, it doesn't do anything. I have had to do a lot of work to heal it. And like I said, like there were like, there were a couple of days and there were like my mental health had like a super, like not to get like super dark and twisty, but when you feel all those, like the crazy, mm, how to explain it. It was like, I was talking to my energy healer about it <clears throat> and it felt like for a couple of those days. And I, and again, it was cause I, I did, I shouldn't have done it, but I went through and I read some of the things and I like broke my rule and there, and like some people said some really shitty things about dragon. And that was like, and like fucking couldn't like that one just finished me off. And I was like, and I remember like I was driving one day and I was like, be probably pretty, I was driving, I have a Mustang. And I was like, probably be pretty easy to like flip this into a tree. Like, I wonder if I could like guarantee, because I don't want to be like, I don't want to half-ass this if I do it. Like I want it to be like legit. And I remember thinking that and being like, whoa, that's not me. Like, wow, it's really weird. Like, what the fuck was that about? And I was feeling it and I like got to where I was going and I called my, my therapist and I was like, feeling these things, dude, like what's going like, these not my feelings, like what's going on here. And I was like, it feels like in my body, I have like, you know, those, um, I used to go spearfishing and like the spearfish and then like it goes in and it hooks. I was like, I feel like I've been shot by like 500 spear guns. And I'm just like walking anyway. And I just have these fucking huge hooks and I'm like bleeding out. And I'm like, God, it would be so much easier if I just ended this and I have to feel it. And I was like, but I was like, it's such a weird feeling. And she's like, that's so funny. Cause like, I'm doing like energy work on you and I can totally see that. Like, that's what it feels like. And it's just one after another. 
And then she just did some work and we kind of like did some meditation, some visual visualization of like pulling them out and like releasing them and then healing that one and kind of going through. And it was just a really fascinating moment to be like, people are so toxic that they don't understand what that does to people. And you hear like, fucking hate saying the word like celebrities and even like thinking about putting my name in next to somebody like Taylor Swift or something like that. But it's why big name people on social media don't fucking read comments. It's like, it's, you can have an outlook of like, oh, ha ha ha, like that's funny. What a bunch of fucking idiots, which is true. And there's still an energy that comes out with that. And it's like, God, these people like actually want me dead. Like it's those people that wanted me to flip my car. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, and because I've gotten so good at, especially like working on the horses, you can feel like what's mine and what's theirs. Same thing for humans. And so I'm really fucking so happy that I have that ability so that when I was hearing that and I was feeling that I was like, it's not mine. That's not mine. What is that? What is that from? And, um, yeah, I don't even know really how I got off on that tangent, but it's like that there are times where it's like, it's not easy. Right. And so like being able to differentiate from that and feel and be like, okay, through, <laughs> take it off. I'm going to go back to our business as usual. And then Shaylee talked to my mama because my mama loves Shaylee. And she was like, it's cool. She'll beat them at their own game. And I'm like, I do though. And I will. And then after all of that shit went down, my fucking nerve release course launched like that same week and it fully booked out. And I was like, oh, how's that feel? Oh, so sad. You're so mad at me. And it didn't affect my numbers at all. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, and I think that that's, it's so funny that, <laughs> funny, not funny, that <laughs> this conversation is that that piece of even one person at the barn somewhere <laughs> that doesn't like you, that minimal thing in your space, you feel it. You know what I mean? Especially when you're in the practice of doing the stuff we're doing is you're so sensitive to that stuff. So then if you're on a bigger platform and you have it all coming at you, it's obviously going to be amplified. And I'm just, I'm in a situation right now (laughs) and I'm sitting here going, oh yeah, where, you know, it's like I was walking down through the parking lot and then all of a sudden it was like, I have pain going down from up on C7 down my spine. It's whatever muscle that is. I looked it up. Then I was looking up for the horses and I was like, oh my gosh, but I knew it wasn't mine. I'm walking down doing nothing. And I was like, oh my God, who here is like, what, what is someone not dealing with? (laughs) Because, and going through the process of working with my theta teacher and undoing the hooks. And like, it's like, I, even this morning being how I am right now. And I was like, dude, I'm so tired. I was like, I just want it. I said to my clients, because I'm always 100% real with my clients. I was like, I literally just want to go back to like going to the bar every day, not caring if my clients are, you know, staying in integrity with their horses, grab your dressage whips. Let's just get off and do, let's just get it all done fast. Forget it. I want to go back. I want to go back to not having to think about everything question why my body's doing what it's doing, wondering what it's about. Like, I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired of all of the things. It's and fucking were- true though. I told somebody that the other day and I was like, so like my, my baby horse is now like he's five, he, his body's looking good. And I was like, I will start you this year. Like this will be the year. And I'm like, man, like I would just like take him out on the trail, throw a saddle on a pony him for half of it. And then I would just like kind of engine hop on the other one. And then we'd take off and 
whatever happens happens. And by the end of the mountain trail ride, he'd be broke and it would be good. And then we would just go to work and everything would be fine. And I'm like, and now I'm like, well, his like trapezius isn't super developed and the right quadricep still needs a little bit of work. And I'm like, fuck man. Like, can I just get on my fucking homebred baby and ride? <laughs> like, I just want to have fun. And that's not fair. Like, I mean, it is, it is fun and we can have fun and we can do those things, but it's a curse a little bit, like knowing more. Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes. Yep. I'm yeah. like, can I say this is yeah, why like- the horse collective <laughs> made me go blind? <laughs> because seriously, losing my eyesight, it has changed so much because I can't analyze them. And it was such a good bridge between like, okay, I have the knowledge. I know yeah. I'm doing the things to set them up for success. Let's like you know, you got to give the backstory because we we've talked about this several times in different places, but oh, that's right. Yeah. Like the, the viewers don't have a backstory. Why are you blind? (laughs) Like, I know we've talked about this like 85 times this week, but we haven't talked about it here. So we need to put it in context because Shaylee's not going to catch Amber. (laughs) People of the pod. I am not currently wearing contacts or glasses, so I'm going through my life blind. And the reason is we are doing the Elements of Connection Clinic, and I wanted something special to offer to the people. And I went into my wounded feminine and felt like I didn't have it. And so I went to the horses, and they socked me around. And they were like, take off your glasses because you're overanalyzing everything, and you can't even see what's right in front of you because you're seeing too critically what's right in front of you. So for the last five days or so, I have been without contacts and glasses and I've been um, texting Amber all week because I'm so spooky. Um, It's like bringing out all these insecurities, making me realize things that I didn't, you know, and just the frustration too of like not being able to see and knowing that I'm like comparing my past experience of being able to see with like now I'm like borderline crying, cleaning out stalls because I'm like, is that a chicken or horse turd? I don't know. Um, so it's been like a super interesting experience. I had no idea how much I relied on my eyesight, but what I noticed the most, and I know I said this in, I think I said this already in one of our podcasts, but my horse that I've had for the longest, Kip, every time I walk in the bar and he pins his ears and he shakes his head around and he does all this stuff. And normally I ignore him because I think he's annoyed with me, but I have been looking so critically at that and, and almost hearing what other people have said about the behavior for so long that when I took my glasses off, I started walking through the barn and his little voice was like, come see me. And he had like this like beautiful energy about him. And he like just wanted me to go over there. And I'm like, holy shit, I've been reading you wrong this whole time. And it's so easy when we like learn all these things. I was actually texting Celeste earlier this week too. I was like, I'm taking a break from like learning about the body because it, it really does make you like, you learn all these things. And then you almost go into a guilt of like, holy shit. Well, I don't even want to ride anymore because I see all these things that are going on with my horse how do I find that balance? How do I know? And so not having my sight has really, has really opened my eyes, no pun intended, but it has because, um, I see my horse with these like thoracic sling issues or psoas issues or whatever. 
and I feel into his energy and he's like, yeah, let's go for a trail ride. Like, can I eat some grass along the way? And, you know, and then my other horse who I've been um, thinking is like fairly sound, he's not like, I'm like, okay, we need to get like a vet out here and figure out what's going on with you. And it's, it's so interesting because we, even though we can see the whole picture and our mind really does pick and choose what it wants us to see also. Like when we're isolating those muscles, you know, there's a reason for that. And I'm curious what you guys have to say about this too, because I am learning now when I'm like now, like I say that as if I've been studying it. Okay. So today when I was working with my horses, um, I was just doing a little bit of like pillar stuff in the arena and I was drawn to a certain muscle on Kip. And so I just went over and like put my hand on it and like felt into it and was like, why is this serving you? That's a new thing Amber is like having me do. So I'm like, why is this serving you? Like, why is this so tight? And it's interesting because I'm feeling more into the emotions behind the the muscle now and the belief systems that, and I know this is a little bit different for me because I practice animal communication on a daily basis. So I can pull out a belief system very quickly, or I can pull out a message, but I would like be curious, like how you guys feel about emotions tied to muscles, because that is what I've really felt into today. And what I'm learning is like a pattern with my client horses is it's like when they're tensing up these muscles, there's a very strong emotion or belief system either from them or the human that is really like the biggest problem i'll i'm gonna throw at it from a body worker perspective and then and that's gonna be totally different than amber's so i love that like we're both gonna because i want amber to weigh in on hers too i'm so totally losing my voice i'm sorry i'm just gonna clear my throat like a dude pretty much this entire podcast um fascia holds memory anybody's read body keeps the score I try to like I'm like everybody read it's my bible um and it does and it legitimately holds the memory and for an example that I'll throw out for humans I and I'd seen that and I'd read it and I've I've experienced it many times with people on my table and then myself I remember getting worked on one day I was in school which was like super embarrassing because you're getting worked on some of the only times I had been worked on in my life was when I went to massage school, which was really kind of fascinating, but I did it. Cause I was like, well, I do it to the horses. So I want to learn more about it. And I was like, this is atrocious. Like, I don't, I hate being touched and I'm going to have to be touched in front of people and like the old things are fucking awkward. It's awful. You're like naked with a little bed sheet over you. It's that idea. Anyway, <clears throat> the instructor was cause it's structural integration. It's very, it was very trauma informed for trauma informed approach. And he's very sensitive, very sensitive to reading bodies and not pushing you past like when it would tense up and he was working on me and my legs have suffered no trauma in my life. Like I've crashed bang bandicoot, like my ribs, I've compound fracture in my arm, like fucked up hip, bad neck, like all kinds of stuff, you know, severe TBI, but my legs are good. Like my legs, my legs are good. No, no severe trauma there. And so I'd had flare-ups when they were working on my ribs. I definitely would have trauma flare-ups when they'd working on my head. And these are like injuries that I could put to it or compensation patterns that I was like, I understand why this is here. I understand, you know, like that makes sense. And he was working on my legs <clears throat> and he got into my left calf and it was like, he started releasing some of the fashion there. And I was like full somatic, like shaking. My body went cold. I was crying and I know I was crying and I was like what the fuck is in my leg like that's so weird and he very much was an energy stuff too and he was feeling it and he's working on it and he stopped and just kind of like hung out and held space for me while I was getting a grip and he said something along the lines of 
uh, what was it? It was like very pointed, but very like where other people couldn't quite get it. But it was along the lines of like, I'm so glad you got away that night. And I was like, what? I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? And I used to have a Shelby GT500 and the clutch was really, really hard. And my left leg was my clutch leg. And there was a night that I was running from my abuser and I like barely got into my car and I hit the clutch and I was like going like as hard as I could. And that sensation, that memory of like, I'm going to die if I don't leave and I don't get out of this was saved in the fascia in my leg when I hit the clutch. And I was just like, you know, and I'm gearing it down through the streets. And I was like, oh, like that's crazy to me. And so the idea that it doesn't have to be an injury which is what I think we're all very like stuck on is it can literally just be like you were dealing with something at this moment and boom, it got stored here. And then you never talked to it. You never released it. And it never, and my leg never hurt. Like I never would have known it was there. It was just happened to be touching. Thankfully the person that was working on it could pick up intuitively on the message. And I was like, that's crazy. And so moving forward with that, it's like when muscles are holding tension and that's why like for at least, the, you know, the brachius phallicus iliopsoas group, I tend to be like, those are protective muscles because those are the muscles that seize up the most when you're in a flight reflex for the horses. For us, it's our psoas and our scalenes diaphragm too. And so it doesn't have to be an injury. It doesn't even have to be, be a compensatory pattern, but if something comes up and it, like it puts you into a startle, like it'll happen when you're driving, like somebody pisses you off and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit. And you have to land on your brakes. Like your body just took that in, <laughs> like it's there. And so having that awareness is is pretty crazy. And I think that's where like Amber shit is so cool because you can then go in there and actually intentionally clear some of these things that maybe you don't even know you're still holding on to. So I'll shut up now and then you can go talk about your cool stuff. <laughs> um, I think I read Waking the Tiger or something like that. And it was the same idea. It was the first time that I really understood how significant, because I um, I'm a certified massage therapist. Like I just wanted to go be a horse trainer. My parents were like, you have to go to school to do, get a real job. And I was like, well, what about this? <laughs> Does this count? Um, and then after reading that book, like understanding why, when, you know, you have people on the table and all of a sudden they're crying and you're like, like, what is happening right now? Because my school was not trauma informed. It was very much like you're going to go do a nice massage at this, at this spa, <laughs> you know, but I had people on the table crying and I was like, this is fucking awkward. And I'm young and I'm out. Like, I don't want to touch people anymore because <laughs> I, I didn't even have my own emotions at that point. Cause I was just so in, in my own shit, but reading that book and then correlating and understanding how the nervous system works and how that stuff gets stored. I was like, holy crap. The horse training that we do is literally like, <laughs> putting trauma in horses. Like I have been intentionally, unintentionally putting trauma in horses since I started training. Like the entire process of traditional horsemanship is just exactly how you would do that. And so, so yeah, exactly. And the horses are so tapped into that stuff too. So that's why I tend to gravitate towards the humans. Cause I'm like, if you're going to be putting your hands on horses, especially as like body workers, and you're going to be even as trainers, you have to know what is yours so that when you're, you can hold that space for them and not be upset when you touch a certain part of their body and you get this crazy reaction where you're like, where did that come from? And to be able to not be triggered by it and not want to go into like smacking them or just going that's in there. It needs to come out and I'll sit with this until the end of it. And just letting it flow out is just such not 
a way that people are programmed in the horse world to like even understand that part right because we're so trained to like get after them like that's bad behavior and it's like well I mean nobody wants to get bit and I think this is where me and you had that conversation in the first podcast where I don't remember what it was but you had a horse that you talked about letting him bite your jacket or something during your session. And I, at the same time, simultaneously had this horse who we knew went through, I think people make a lot of assumptions about horses and abuse and other things. Stories get made up. Oh, they must have X, Y, Z, but this horse, we knew where it came from. And like, it was gnarly. Like we spent a lot of time, hours and hours and hours and hours of like, not even touching, just going right into threshold and like just standing just so his brain could assimilate like nothing bad is going to happen and to mm-hmm. wait for all of that stuff to shift. It's, it's gnarly, but it's like, you know, so yeah, all the same, just horses aren't any different. I don't think, you know what I mean with all of that stuff. And there's a lot of undoing to undo. Well, but you hit the nail on the head though, with the whole being able to separate what's mine and what's theirs <clears throat> and going and like, and back to Shaylee's point on like, why I am kind of like above the petty bullshit of the people that are doing that is part of the difference is like, I know I'm, I have done so much work, thousands of dollars in body work and therapy, like so much fucking therapy, um, that it is to the point that I can feel like flipping my car and be like, that's not mine. Hang on a second and figure it out. Right. Like in, in those severe moments, I can even feel it not to say like, there's not times where I don't fuck it up. I'm sure that I do. And then I will, but when I'm, when you go through that much work and you do this too, and that's why you're so good at holding space to people for people and for horses is because you can feel that difference between what's mine and what's theirs, what's mine and what's theirs. And when you get really gifted at that, things don't trigger you anymore because you're already like, I'm so good with my demons. Like we're good. Like we're good. Some of them are there for a reason and some of them will never leave and that's fine. And we've just kind of made friends and we have coffees on Tuesdays at 10 o'clock and it's cool, (laughs) right? Like it's, it's neat, but people are afraid to look at that shit and they're afraid to unpack it. And they like, they just can't. And that's where like a lot of the stories with the horses come up. It's like, you know, the person has gone through these things and the person's not dealt with these things. So then they get this horse, whether they manifest them that way or not. And then they're like, oh, well, the horse has this story and I'm going to help the horse go through the story. And we're like, can we talk about your story? I don't think it's the pony. I think it might be the fact that nobody's shown up for you. And like, it should be really cool with what it looks like. I have a a few of my nerve release clients are like that in this cohort. And we've spent our one-on-ones like kind of like therapy a little bit, you know, and that's totally fine because that is part of it, right? Like if you can't work through that, you're never going to, in my opinion, be able to be gifted in, in what I'm trying to teach you anyway, but it's huge. And people don't talk about that especially in our community. Cause it's all like horse stuff like this. Like you kind of hear about it in like the coaching community, but not in ours. And it's arguably the most important. Yeah. And it's all relationship. Right. So, I mean, that is the thing. And I also feel like people in the industry of whether it's horses or humans, but the caretakers, you're naturally drawn to want to have that role for a reason, you know, and that usually if you haven't done some level of like shadow work to understand why, you know, then you go into it and all of a sudden your entire body's broken. All you, all your horses that you have in your care are falling apart. You know what I mean? And, and I usually will ask, you know, this, 
the people that have one horse after another and they all have almost the same issue. And you're like, what do you do for a living? And they're like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm a body worker or I'm a nurse. Um, I'm a doctor. And it's like, so, you know, why did you go into that profession? And yes, because we want to help. Right. And we want to care. But I know mine is probably rooted from trauma from a very young age, the responsibility of wanting to take care of or have that being put on me. So I know that at some level that was ingrained in, but at, I had to understand where that came from to be able to actually then go forward and go, wait a minute, this isn't, this isn't, you know, the stuff that I'm pulling through. It's like, I'm here to help you now, I'm not responsible for you. I can create the container and then I can step away and know that you are going to be able to get through this and re-empower people versus yes. I'm going to fix all of my trauma that I don't know I have through helping all these people and all these horses when you're creating like bigger problems for everyone. <laughs> but that that is like all of it though, right? And I remember learning that in therapy it took me a few years, but it was like that she kept drilling it into my head because it was like <clears throat> and I think, you know, like a misconception with that is to to have this idea that like you have to per like completely get rid of that, which is not true. Like for me, I will never not be like I will never not tear up and have a little bit of my like wounded child be like, oh, that's so great when I get to see a horse or even a human, but particularly a horse like feel seen for the first time like that will never not give me all the worm and fuzzies because that's what I needed so badly as a child. And that's fine. Right. Like I don't need like I don't need to be like, oh, I'm so above all that. Like, no, like it's fine for that to happen. But what I don't need to do is I don't need to take on all of these horses and all of these humans that just incessantly need this thing so that I can just feel it all the time always because it's like you can give them the power. So it's the empowerment instead. So I still I'll always be a healer. I love helping people. I love like horses, all of it. Like that's not ever going to change. But the way that I do it now is very, there's a lot of boundaries around it. There's a lot of, especially for humans, like before I'd be like, I'll just give everybody my last penny, right? Like you can just have all of my things and all of my time and I'll put my, my own welfare and, and my kids and my life and like everything would be on the back burner. Poor Danny, like people used to fucking be on our couch all the time. And I was constantly like feeding and housing people. And, and it's not that like, I still wouldn't support them, but there would be boundaries around it, right? Like. I will help you and I will like, I'll still do this. Like I'm, I love helping people pay bills if they can't do it. Right. But it's like, but what are you using your money for right now? Like, I'm not going to help you pay rent if I, you know, we go over your finances and you've just blown all of it on like random shit. Right. So we need to like talk about things and like, I'll help you through that or same thing with the horses. And it's like, you, you want to give them. That's why I like the pillars to stuff is it's like, I see that you're struggling with this, but let me give you something that you can fix yourself or that you can fix with your horses so that that just goes away. Right. And so everything is with a sense of you can still help as long as you're good with them improving. And what people get stuck in is it's like they want to help, but they want for that. It's that just shitty codependent. Like, I just want you to always be struggling. So you always need me so I can always love bomb you. And it's like, no, that's gross. <laughs> Don't do that. I want you guys to all be like super rich and successful. <laughs> The love bombing thing, that's so interesting. People do that to their horses all the time. Like I have those codependency conversations with their horses because even my best friend, love her to death, but she's like, I need them to need me. I really need them to need me. And I'm like, okay, but can we talk about that? Because there's a reason why, like if you really do need your horse to need you and you need these certain things, they will continue having these certain issues so that because that's what you're manifesting that's the energy and the frequency that you're putting out and they are aligning with that in some way shape or form 
not necessarily because they want to, but because unfortunately, fortunately, but unfortunately, like we control a lot. Like they come into the barn, they live at our house, like they're around us all the time. So like, no matter how like high vibrating your horse might be, they will meet your frequency at some point. And so our belief systems and I like the more I hang out with Amber, the more I'm like bitching at her because my sessions are so different now. I'm like, it used to be so easy when I'd be like, this is what's going on. This is your, this is what you need to tell your vet. Now it's like, okay, well, this is the energy that you're putting out. This is what your horse is holding on to. And I mean, they really do. It's so interesting to me. And I'm curious your, your perspective and Amber's too, because both of you are mamas. Like, it would be so cool if like kids could go to take riding lessons and it's not like you kick to go forward and you pull to stop. Like how, I'm just curious, like raising little ones in the horse industry, like how are you guys navigating that with like this new perspective and understanding these belief systems and like energy and stuff? Like how do you raise a kid to be more mindful? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, so kids watch everything you do. Right. Um, and that's, that's part of it. So it's one of those, like, it's that quote of like, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So my kids, I, I'll use Rowan. So he's almost 13. Rowan has had no formal writing lessons. <clears throat> Lord knows he's not going to listen to me on a writing lesson because I'm his mother. Right. Like he's just like, that's not, that's not a thing. And I've offered to be like, Hey, let's go take riding lessons if you'd like to. And he's just not really that into it. Like both he and shy love horses. They love them. They go out, they cuddle them. They know how to take care of them. Like they're all really good with that, but they've just never had the, like, to like really want to ride, which is fine. They'll go on the occasional trail ride. And I'm like, it's fine. I can be my mommy's thing. Rhythm is already like throwing heinous tantrums when we pull her off of a horse. So that one I think is going to be different, which is rad. Um, <clears throat> but I watched my kids and because they've been, since they've just been around me since I've been in this. So I, they haven't watched me transition, thankfully, because when Rowan, I was still not necessarily as mindful as I am now or, um, before Rowan was really aware, like old enough to be aware, but like anymore now, like the way that they catch horses is super soft and they'll read their body language and they never pull on them. Like the, like, it's always like they, they inherently get them to soften first. And then they ask them to do things. And when they ride, I had Rowan ride one time and I was just having him, I was basically checking my work. Cause I had a horse that came into training and I'm like, this, <laughs> can my kid ride the horse? That's probably good for the owner. Right. So it was, so anyway, I put him on this horse and he has the most beautiful fucking hands. And I was expecting him to get on and like ride, you know, like I was hope, you know, like hot potato it to make sure that the horse is good for the owner. And which is, you know, something that most trainers fuck up, right? You don't ride the horse like you ride before you send the horse home. You ride the horse like the owner is going to ride the horse so you can find out, right? Amber knows, which is why she's laughing. Number one reason why you get reoccurring clients. Anyway. So I put the kid on and I'm watching him ride and he just has these beautiful soft hands. And before he asks the horse to go forward, he like gets her to soften and then he sends her forward. So he's like <clears throat> lengthening through her. So the, the, the way the brachiosphalicus works in the horse's shoulders, just so everybody can have a visual, um, if you're watching this, I guess, is when the muscle seizes up, it kind of pulls the shoulders in this way and it like draws everything in. And when it relaxes, it can really open. And so the analogy that I give everybody is we always want to wait for the gate to be open. So when the gate's open, then you can go forward, right? You don't like slam them into the gate. So he knows that because he's watched it and it's so cool watching how soft and how mindful and he just always waits. And there's never like 
and shy and like shy you guys haven't really been around him but he's a Taurus. he has the same birthday as his auntie shaley and he's a fucking bull in the china shop like this kid breaks more shit than anybody that i know he has like zero spatial awareness he's constantly running into shit like he's just a bull through and through unless he's around the horses and then he's so soft and he's so gentle and he's so receptive and it's just really cool watching that change even it's just it's rad so as a very long roundabout way to say it like i think that raising kids in this is very very easy because they're gonna watch how you interact that's like kids it's so cool like i love showing the kids rowan's rehab several horses that have come in because it's just like hey take them out 10 15 minutes of pillar one walking straight lines i showed him how to do some pillar two and three and like he's fully rehabbed the horses that are here i'll work on it but he's the one that's doing the in-hand work and i'm like my fucking 13 year old can figure this out so can everybody else right it's that easy um and so they'll learn based off of what you're doing and it's so easy for them because they don't have to go through all of the reprogramming that we had to like do it they're gonna be so much better they're probably already better horsemen than i am <laughs> well my older son was always really good and that was far beyond before i ever got anywhere near being mindful at the horsemanship but i think raising him in general like humaning without the horses um, is way more challenging for me than working with the horses because I'm so aware of, I also have a Taurus, small boy, <laughs> I'm just surrounded by them. Um, and he's so certain and he's so grounded. And when he knows a thing, there's not a chance in hell that anything you say is going to be even relevant in his, you know, and so but I noticed the difference in him because of where I've been at and same thing. He just watches like the things that he says are so evolved, even my older son. And that's just from the last few years of me going through stuff where I see him, my older son dated, had dated a couple girls and he was so like, I'm just not feeling this. And I just feel like she's disconnected. Like the things he was saying, and I was like, dude, like 16 year old 17 year olds don't say things like that, but cool. But like, you know, it's like, I just don't feel like she's really emotionally available. And I'm like, well, she's 16. Like most adults aren't emotionally available. The fact that you can even use that word, uh, good luck, I don't know. But the little one, because he's so like, I'm finding myself constantly knowing, okay, he is nervous system is, operating exactly like it needs to it's up it's down it's clearing by sounds and movement you know but it's there's these moments where I'm like just please god stop like I'm so overstimulated right now where I have to just say like I have to like walk away for a minute because I literally you know and I'll joke around with my older kid like last night my desk our house is really small the desk was, I'm not even actually exaggerating. I was putting all of his stuff on the desk, his shoes, the drinks he was leaving. I was like, I'm done. Like you're almost 18, like get your, you know? And so I was piling it up on his desk. And then last night I got out of the shower because I'd been asking him for like two weeks and I got out of the shower and I was like, you know what? The sensation that comes up in my body when I look at that desk and he like looks at me and I'm like, like, I just want to set the whole house on fire. Like it brings up so much anxiety that I have so much work to do and this part of the house. And he was like, <laughs> and I was like, but like, really, like that is what it feels like in my body. And like in 10 minutes, the desk was cleaned, <laughs> but I'm like, I need to try to explain to you 
what that fucking desk makes me feel like. And I know it doesn't make sense to a normal person, but I have like three podcasts to edit. And for some reason I cannot edit it unless the house is clean because I'm crazy. But it's like, it's not crazy. This like knowing of, I know I should let you express however you need to, because it's serving you for your highest and best good. And then my own triggers where I'm like, I'm highly overstimulated by you screaming at the top of your lungs in my house. You know what I mean? But that's how that's teaching healthy relationships though. So like my kids and I have that. So when I was a kid, actually up till like four years ago, I didn't even know that like sensory like issues were a thing. And then I started learning about it and I was like, oh fuck, like my whole life, like I understand that, you know, and like, you'll have those moments where you're like, you just get super overstimulated. And there are things like that, like just clean up the fucking desk. Like that's a controllable thing that somebody could do. <laughs> that isn't a big deal, maybe, unless you're having a sensory overload moment. And when you are, that's just like, <laughs> right? Like, so if people can see that and learn, like you're just teaching him to be a good fucking partner to somebody because you then you'll start being like, oh, and being able to say, I'm getting really overstimulated. You mm-hmm. could you maybe help me by doing this? So you're teaching them like, you know, words for feelings, which is something that we all weren't taught as a kid. Mm-hmm. And then you're showing them, you're saying, hey, I can also ask for help and support because we sure as fuck shouldn't be doing this all on our own and giving them the opportunity to do that. And then that also gives them the permission to say, hey, I'm really overstimulated right now. Like Rowan used to have these crazy like blowout rages. And when we started talking about like our feelings, then way before his blowout rages would start, he would just, he'd come up to me. He'd be like, mom, I'm just really overstimulated right now. And like Lucius's voice is really making me want to just put a fucking ice pick. He didn't say fucking me, but he like would put an ice pick in his eyeballs. And I just need, I need for everybody to stop talking. And I'm like, okay. And we would just all stop talking for like 15 minutes while he figured it out. And then it would be fine. And then his nervous system could come down and then we would slowly start, you know, integrating things back. But like, him being able to feel when that came up in his body and be like, mm, mm. Mm-hmm. this probably saved all of our lives. <laughs> you know, like it's so important. And you do, like, I fully agree with you. Like, it's hard because you like, you want them to fully express it's the same. It's the same thing for the horses. Like, I want my horses to fully express themselves, but I made that, I wasn't really a joke, but I was talking about the little Mustang Mary S whatever day we got on. And I was like, I'll tell you hard pass though. When you come in and you bite my stomach for your warning, we're going to have words. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so you can say, I want you to freely express yourself. And that was a conversation that I had with her because she never had anybody really let her do that. So she just went zero to 10 every time something bothered her. And so it's been months of me being like, I will listen to you. Your cues can be more subtle. I'm so sorry that you didn't have subtleties before in your life, but you really do now when you're with me probably for the rest of your life. So it's just me you're going to have to deal with, but you may not take me down to the ground every little time you think that something's uncomfortable. Like we have to have a conversation about that. And same thing for the kids. I want them to freely express themselves and they can do that with a little bit of boundaries, (laughs) a little bit of sport. Just makes you better. I would not be a good mom if I wasn't a horseman, hundred percent. I'd be an absolute shit mom if I didn't have horses. I fully believe that. I did not have um, good examples growing up, and I lacked completely maternal instincts until my oldest was like five. Um, 
just didn't come, just didn't kick in. And then I was very late that way. And, but horses, I started being like, but if I, but if it was a horses, this is what I would do horses. This is what I would do. And I've translated that so hard that like, now everybody loves my kids. Like I can't take them anywhere without them being like, oh my God, like they're so respectful and they're so emotionally mature. And they're so this, and they're so that and like adults love my kids. And they're like, we hate kids, but we love yours. And I was like, yeah, just treat them like your horses. <laughs> Fine. Totally. That resonates because I was saying I had, well, I had my son when I was older so when I was younger and I was like like what you know <laughs> what do you do? until he was older so thank god he's turned out like he has because he's <laughs> turned out pretty good um but it was definitely like not until my divorce where I, I like got a grip and was like you know and I think it took him telling his dad I feel really disconnected from mom and that mm. was like 2018 when we first moved to this property because I was just like a hot mess and I was still going through the divorce. So I was just like, you know, a disaster. And it was like, oh shit, you know? So, I mean, that was like the start of when everything was changing. My horses were telling me that they were disconnected from me. You know, my- You're like, son of a bitch. I'm going to have to do something about this, I guess. So thank goodness for it. But I told it that I feel like that was just recent that I figured out how to be a mom at some capacity. Yeah. So, and like now I feel really good at it. Right. Like I'm on my third one and like things are going well and I'm sure I'm still going to have to pay for therapy, but I like apologize to them and tell them that I'll pay for that in therapy later on. Right. Like I'm aware of it. It's cool. Um, but it's that like, yeah, it's that ever, that ever changing, you know, and treating them like they're their own autonomous beings too, that also have to have some boundaries because we have to care about them. Um, Tara and I talk about this a lot with like the consent, right? Like I always try to ask my kids and I always have them weigh in on decisions as much as I can so that they feel like they're participating. And because everything is the same thing for the horses, like I'm always asking like, is this cool? You good with this? The same brush we've used 5,000 times. I'm so like, you good? this good, that good. And it's just part of like the vernacular. It's just, you know, whatever. And same thing for my kids. Like, do you want to watch the show? Do you want this for dinner? Do you want to go to the park? Do you want to come with me to this appointment? And so, and even though the answer, you know, maybe I phrase it as a question, but what I really meant was, you know, <laughs> I try to give them as much say as possible so that they feel like we have a really good cohesive relationship. And then when those things happen, where it's like, I know that you're going to say no to this, but like, we have, we have to do this. They've had so much time of this, like consistent conversation that's, that's mutual that it's not even a big deal to them versus the kids that are like, and the horses that are like bulldoze and they're not a part of the conversation. They're not a part of the conversation. And then you really have this like big extravagant, like fight when you have to get their feet done or their teeth done. And it's like, they don't really respect what you have to say anymore because you haven't really had them have a part of the conversation the entire time. So it's like, you got it. It's, it's both. Um, and horses, we get less lead or at least for me, because the horses that I have that would come into training, especially like if you, if you don't listen, they can kind of try to kill you. <laughs> so they teach you a lot quicker than like with the kids, it would be easier to be a little bit more dominating. Right. And we shouldn't be, and our, our relationships with them are a lot easier when we can be a little bit more cohesive that way. Yeah. And I think that's like why the huge shift is happening. I think even in the horse world and horsemanship is because all the people that were raised where you weren't allowed to move and talk and anything like it's shifting. And then now it's like, Oh, it feels more comfortable and more understood to be able to give that mm -hmm. space for them to be able to have their own voice. And the, even, you know, we talk about, sometimes I break it down for people with the consent stuff with the halter and the, you know, putting the halter on and the brush, whatever. 
they think it's like this process of how I have to go through this every time. And I'm like, it does become automatic. It's just automatic. It's just like like a a fucking pause. And then, and then you go, you know, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's not like, um, you know, do you, is this okay? It's like, take a breath in between each thing you do like this is their bodies <laughs> you know what like I, mean? I give her the example of like if we were like hanging out and like if I was going to go and do something and I was holding my Starbucks cup and I like wanted to go and touch the pony I would offer the Starbucks cup to you and be like will you hold this for me <laughs> I'm not just gonna like fucking throw it at you and be like hold it bitch you know what I mean like it's just that little like it's just a little gesture that you do because you're a good human <laughs> you are you know like you good right. you good with that <laughs> yeah totally oh look we talked for an hour and a half <laughs> weird that's okay I know sorry our time is I want to respect your time but I do have to ask two questions from our membership right. um, yeah but I'm like yeah I want to be respectful I know you're talking about boundaries but I also um totally posted your face in our membership and I have two questions <laughs> okay that's okay um I, okay, I have time so- I had a call after and I already messaged her and be like it's Aileen Amber I'm not gonna it's fine let's keep going <laughs> That's great. Cause I literally was looking and I'm like, Oh God, we're like 25 minutes over. Um, okay. So she wants to know your thoughts on heave lines. She says, my vet said it's from a horse using their muscles instead of their lungs to help breathe. But I've seen a similar line on many horses with no breathing issues or heaves and have been told that it's from bad saddle fit. Can BTMM prove improve the heave line? Also wondering her thoughts on belly lifts. I'm in the master class and heard her touch on carrot stretches and pulls, but wondering if belly lifts are still something in general that are good for me to use with my horses. Um, trying to think about the most thoughtful way. Um, heaves lines. So I've only personally seen really, really gnarly ones when they're really dropped in front. And so it's like, they have this crazy tension line that's going on. Um, that's not to say that it doesn't have anything to do with breathing and diaper. I'm sure it has everything to do with it, but usually there's like a postural issue with that. So like Ari, my baby horse, when he'd go through a really gnarly gross spurt and he'd get like really butt high, that line would come out on him, something fierce. And I'd be like, oh, the first time he said, I was like, holy shit, like what's wrong with him? And I called my vet and he was like, he's fine. It's just kind of like how he's growing. It just pulls their ribs weird. Um, and so that's been my experience with it. And so if it's that, if it's a postural thing, then yeah, this would totally help with that. Um, but always, you know, always check in with your vet and always make sure that there's not some kind of a weird allergen diaphragm thing going on. But if your vet's clearing it and they can't find anything, um, post post pictures and see, we can see if there's like a postural thing that we can find with that, even feet, like there's all kinds of nutrient. I mean, there's a billion different things with it, but that's been my experience with them anyway, um, is it's usually a pretty downhill downhill situation. So the, the fascia is just getting pulled and wonky. Um, and then for belly lifts. Um, so I'm super anti-carrot stretch. I will forever be anti-carrot stretch. And I know that that goes against everything that everybody says, but I am just anti-carrot stretch. Um, I got to be privy to a study that did that used carrot stretches for strengthening the multifidus muscle. And it was really cool. And there was, um, significant growth in the multifidus muscle through the spine via imaging. And all of the necks on those horses were effed. And what they cared about was the study of the fact that the horse's multifidus in the spine had shown changes. And so it went kind of against my core belief system of, and I was, I wanted to see the study because I was like, okay, here's somebody that's like tangibly using carrot stretches and they're having big changes in the body. And it's a good thing. And I'm like, even though I disagree with it, like 
I have no real ego around it. Like I could be wrong. Like maybe there's a way to do it and it's good. And so I watched the study and even though they were manipulating the neck for it, it was, they had no evidence on what was going on with the neck and the horses. They only were looking at what was going on with the back and on palpation and on visibility, looking at the neck, the necks were really, really rough. They were not in good shape. And so it's that we're strengthening one thing at the expense of the other. And so I still, to this day, have never seen carrot stretches done in a way that did not damage the neck somehow, whether it's like the fascial restrictions, the fascial restrictions in the pole, the fascial restrictions through the cervical spine, because the horses aren't flexing appropriately. Um, it's just my opinion. Um, but for belly lifts, I love belly lifts <clears throat> if the horses are warmed up. So if you do like couple minutes of pillar one walking and give their backs and, and their muscles an actual time to warm up. Just don't go in there and just do it cold. And then my rule with it is to always start underneath the sternum. So you're always lifting in the front. So you're lifting up through the withers and then slowly going down. And if at some point in time, so say like you're lifting and get some lift in the withers and then you go down and like halfway down their withers drop and they're lifting down here, you stop. They can't like, don't do it anymore. So you always want to lift from the front and forward. Otherwise, if you're just lifting in the back, you're crushing the thoracic area. You don't want to do that. So those are my, those are my thoughts and belly lifts. From an animal communication perspective, I find that a lot of horses get really angry about belly lifts. And I think it's just because people do go in there with like them not being warmed up or they're just going in and engaging the reflex and yeah. um, goosing them and stuff like that. So I think everything with intention, but as far as what I and I will say the same thing when I talk to horses who have done carrot stretches, they end up getting some sort of, it actually ends up straining a lot of like the tendons and ligaments, like on the inside of the knees and stuff, because people yeah. don't pay a lot of attention about how they like, um, twist their legs. But with belly lifts, I know that it makes a lot of horses angry if it's not, I think there's a lot to be said about just being mindful and like placing your hands there and like creating, you know, giving the brain some sensory feedback, creating awareness, but not necessarily like forcing the tissue up, which I know you say all the time, like they're only going to release. And that's why your work is so, um, you know, like you're asking for their consent and you're, you have that two-way communication because like, if you force a belly lift, they might not be ready for that. So yeah. why yeah. just go in there? <laughs> right. And like um, the way that I would, I teach it is like, so again, you start underneath the sternum. So it's a little bit more pointed, but it's just slow. It's a really slow roll. So you like, you're like, you're talking to it and then you're touching it. And then you're maybe like do a little tickle and you can increase the pressure slowly. And you're just watching for them to like, maybe kind of sort of think about possibly at some point talking to that region. Right. And then, and if they can, and then, and even if they can't, even if you know that you can go bam, zero to 10 and the horse can fully inflate there, you still go slow. You know, you want, you want them to feel all the fascia rays and you want them to activate all the little muscles and you want them to expand through the ribs and their shoulder. And like, they can't really go through that process. That's why yoga is so slow. You don't see anybody being like, bam, 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 bam. Like they're at a disco ball, right? Like it's a slow, it's a slow roll. It's okay. <laughs> sure. And then the last question before we let you go, we promise, um, any advice for Malvi? Well, she said geldings, but any advice for mouthing horses, uh, besides respecting boundaries, Did you say mouthy horses, mouthy, yeah. mouthy horses. I heard Maldives. I don't know why oh, I heard that. Right. I was like, <laughs> there's a mouthy, um, well, I mean, there's reasons, right? So there's, a, there's a lot there. They could be the horses in pain. It could be the horses ulcers. It could be the horse has uh, lacks emotional regulation and is really codependent on you. 
It could be uh, your own stuff that's going on. It could be the equipment that you're using. Um, it could be the way that you're interacting with the horse is causing them to want to have a gilding game with you. There's, uh, there's, there's a lot. There's a, there's, that's a lot. That's a loaded question. Those are one of those, like when people tell me that, I'm like, oh, you should send me a video of that interaction. Right. And that's just easier. I'm sure you guys can also weigh on that a little bit. <laughs> I think it's just information. You know what I mean? Like anytime there's any type of a behavior that's making you back off and like, look, it's information. They're, they're, mm-hmm. giving, there's a communication happening. And for you to mm-hmm. like, okay, what's actually going on here? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? What do you need? You know, and like breaking it down. But yeah, those, those, there's so many different reasons why that could happen. I don't know. But I, li- uh, I like that. I like that thing. So I'll say like, just kind of be like a gentle observer of it and then like, and figure it out. Like, what is it? What is that? What is that about? And then, and ask other people. And that's where like, on you know, on one hand, I'm like, give all the power back to the people. And I fully believe in that. And horsemanship is a full art and it's a full language that is completely foreign to most people, even if they've been around horses a lot in their life. And so reach out to people that understand behavior and let them see it. Like I'm constantly, and so I'm like, I'm so thrilled that like Tara joined the team for distance sessions. Cause all the time I'm like, people want to get on sessions with me and they think that we're just going to go through like nerve release or some body work. It's like pillar stuff. And the whole session is just behavior because it's like, you can't like, do not pass go, do not collect $200. Like you have not even, <laughs> we got we to gotta like dial this in first and then we can have these discussions. And it's like, I'm such a purist about that kind of stuff. That's like, we have to get that shit dialed in. You're not allowed to do more than that. Um, which kind of like full circling, going back to like one of the things that makes my program so much different, I think than everything else. And even though on paper, they're like, oh, well, she's just doing basic classical dressage, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool. Yeah. But like, I don't let them go past X, Y, Z until the horses are ready emotionally and physically. Like I just don't let them. And, you know, then there's like, well, you know, like, you know, you're just taking away the fun of people doing stuff. And I'm like, maybe, but like, I think it's fun. And I think if you're like into the relationship and you're into like all of this stuff, like it is really fun and everybody really digs it, but it's that difference of like cognitive dissonance, I guess, is a big thing in this community, right? Where it's like, I love my horses and I'll do everything by them. And I want to do all these things, except for, I really want to go to that show next weekend. Right. So like after the show, after the show next weekend, I'll do this. Or I'm like, oh my God, I just want my horse to be in pain or not in pain. And I want them to do this. And I want to do that. But like, I really like the saddle though. That doesn't fit your horse. You know what I mean? And it's like this constant, it's constant in this industry. And it's just fascinating. And I just have a, because I'm very grounded in a lot of it, I had just have a zero tolerance for it. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Then I'm just not the person to work with. I'll come yeah. back out when you get a different saddle. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. It's like the difference between being a trainer that comes in and does a clinic for a weekend with people and you get to see them for the weekend and you see these shifts and everyone's all like gung ho and then you go away and you don't know what they do versus having people at your property that you work with. And you're like, why the fuck are you doing that? We just talked about it. It's wearing on it's me. Why I only <laughs> clinic right now. I mean, and that's what I said. I was like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, yeah. you know, and you can only say, you know, to the point where I'm like, if you came back and asked me for help, I would have to tell you no, because I, for my own mental well-being, I cannot continue to spend all this time with your horse, show them that they can express, hold mm-hmm. space for them to have you go and, you know, throw a rope around your horse's ass to get it in the trailer. Cause that day you yeah. really want to go. Yeah. 
go. Like, I'm not doing that anymore. And that's when I was like, I just want to go back to being the trainer that did things fast and didn't know anything. And just like, no, I think that it's just, you know, you'll get into like a paradigm shift where it's okay. So like, again, to the, like one of the things that frustrates people with me is like, I'm not, and it admittedly when I'm in the middle of the, the nerve, like, cause I'm doing online stuff like this, like right now it's I'm, my books are completely solid, but I wasn't super easy to get in with last year and people would really struggle. They're like, Oh, well, like I'm trying to reschedule with her and like, she's just impossible and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I told you four times how to do this thing. And you're not doing it. I will not work for you. I won't do it. Like I edit my client list frequently and ruthlessly and I don't give a shit about it. And it's because, and it's funny because they'll, they'll go crying to Catherine sometimes. I'm like, let's hurt my feelings. And Catherine's immediate response to it will be like, it's probably because you weren't putting your horse first. Mm -hmm. Like it's not. And what, what that has done is that now the clients, and then there's other clients where like, I still go do in-person sessions and I'll drive 45 minutes out, like for one horse to go and see him once a month, because it's somebody that's like diehard putting in the work and they want to like go out in the industry and they're trying to like, they're doing it and they want it so badly those people all show up for a hundred percent of the time. I'll be like, I don't care, but it's, you have to change like what you have the capacity for. And I could not handle having those clients where it was like, every time we did a check-in, it was the same conversation because they hadn't done the work. And it's like, I am not that trainer. And I know that that also comes from though the, when you are a professional trainer and you have like that client retention, there's like a insidious, energy that is goes on in like the performance training world where it's like your clients must need you they must need you so badly to the point that they can't actually improve and so it really fucks people up that like I won't do weekly lessons I'll maybe I'll, I'll do like monthly for like the first three or four months and then like you should only need me maybe once every six months if that and that is so different than how it usually is. So it's like, if you're doing this stuff appropriately, it just turns into a checklist. And so then when you're writing, it's like, can my horse soften? Is my horse engaging? And are they able to do a correct half fault? Is their spine and integrity? If you can say yes on those three things, go do whatever the fuck you want. We've got NFR barrel racers. We've got people going to the Rolex. We've got like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You just have your little checklist and you're ready to go. But if you're so dependent on, well, I just didn't do my work. So I need to come to my weekly lesson for you to yell at me. Like we are not your people, <laughs> right? So good. Okay. We knew this was going to be a, <laughs> a meaty, really long podcast. It's going to be fine. It's fine. So good. So good. So good. Um, so if people want to learn more about your stuff, where can they find you? Go to my website, bouncermovementmethod.com. I will post little gems here and there on my personal Facebook. I closed my business page on Facebook because it made my eyeballs want to crawl out of their sockets the way that they changed how to get messages on there. And I couldn't understand it. And I do post nuggets on Instagram, but I uh, don't always know how to get to my messages. So don't bother DMing me there. Um, basically, it's just the website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yay thank you so much for coming on it was so much fun thank, thank you, you guys for having me me and Shaylee <laughs> I love you a long time I see you soon you know we'll see you in a little while um anybody liked anything in this episode then feel free to share it like it subscribe to all the things if you want to be able to join us for these calls first and you want to be in the membership and get all the juicy shit then i'll put the link in the show notes as well as less stuff in the show notes and 
And then that's it. And then that's it. Bye, Bye guys. Yeah.